0: But medical service is like this. So there was going to come a, a gap someday in time where there are not going to be enough doctors to treat all the people. And just happened with COVID. You know, all the hospital systems in the world got overwhelmed. I mean, there were too much sick people. And 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 not even, and right now I, I, I shared in LinkedIn a, a, a paper that uh, she's called Rachel from, she's from a, a place in London where we're talking about uh, the backlog of chronic diseases. I mean, all the people that were sick of hypertension, diabetes, you know, cancer, they weren't even accepted to hospitals. No one wanted to go to hospital.
1: Eduardo, good to oh, have you on the show.
0: Thank you. Um, it's a great pleasure being here with you.
1: Yeah. So I was mentioning before the show, um, you know, I, uh, you know, when we looked at you on LinkedIn, it says you're, uh, a volunteer firefighter and a volunteer um, paramedic and it's one of the things that got you into healthcare so I always I thought that's quite a story there to be told uh, looking forward yeah. to getting to know that how are you doing
0: yeah I kind of miss it a lot I miss I miss jumping on the, on the fire truck and now that I'm married and have three kids my wife doesn't let me that much <laughs> to get on the fire truck it got, she told me I got some responsibility going on
1: absolutely Uh, it's crazy, you know, a lot lot of people dream about being a firefighter, especially when you're a kid, you know, it's such a cool job, but very few people end up pursuing it. Um, I I got fortunate, um, one of my friends, closest friends, was uh, training to become a paramedic when I was in university, and I got a little little glimpse into the lifestyle, and I'm like, wow, this is, you know, I even considered moving into that area at one time, not going to lie, but uh, firefighting is even cooler. Like I had a friend who dropped out of university, decided the path wasn't for him, became a firefighter. Uh, became a firefighter for Toronto, uh, for Toronto um, fire, like you know, fire division, like yeah. downtown, like you know, and you know, had some crazy stories there. But on the side, helped, built a business that's doing phenomenally well. And now, ten years later, you know, he's he has, he's he's retiring from the force, and he has a full functioning business happening. You know, it's it's a really interesting industry that uh, uh, that, that that that's built up yeah, around firefighter.
0: Your full adventures. I remember when I was in college, also. I mean, I did volunteer, but I had a lot of stories. So sometimes, you know, I, I was. I remember a time when I was getting, you know, I had to go to, call, to, to class and, and I always had on my car, like, on my radio. So if, if I heard a, an accident or something like that, I would just turn around and then go, you know, go and, and help in the accident and I will come back to school, not, not all bloody, but, you know, kind of dirty and something like that. And, and so they'll excuse me for being, um, you know, late for the class and I'd always have some cool stories, you know, for the whole class to to.
1: That's <laughs> to, really cool, man. Where, where, where'd you go to school? So uh,
0: I'm I'm based, I'm originally from Monterrey, Mexico. So I've been uh, I've been living in, in Mexico for, for all my life. Uh, uh, I I studied agriculture business uh, international agricultural business in Monterrey Tech, uh, but at the same time I, I always you know did my I had the opportunity. So I did my paramedic class at Red Cross in in Monterrey, and I studied structural firefighter at Texas A and M. So uh, Monterrey is very close to Texas, San Antonio, Texas. So we had the opportunity to to be there. And I, it's always been a volunteer. So, so I mean, uh, since I was very young, I, I come from an agricultural family. So my grandfather started uh, a poultry business. So they raised chickens and, and then, uh, and you know, I've come from a very traditional family that everyone, you know, you're, you, you aren't born yet and you don't have a, a job there. So my, my grandfather started the business and then, uh, so his name is Eduardo. So my father is Eduardo. I'm Eduardo, and I had to, I, I put my son Eduardo also. So, but I mean, I started you know very young since I was in high school. We started working in, in the family business. I mean, we we always uh, worked and and studied, and that's how I you know I started. But I mean, uh, and that's how my story started. You know, on the on the business side, I I started uh, working with the family business. But just one day, I said, you know what, you know what this is. I mean, like I said, you know, you, you're already not not even graduated, and they already tell you're gonna be the CEO of this company because you know. All the, all the boys, you know, the first born boys are the ones that are going to take care of, of business. And, and, and I decided one day, you know what, I, I, it's, not, it's not into me. I mean, I, I, love, I love the business and everything, but I, I felt something inside me that was, you know, something different that I wanted to do. So it was kind of a mess. I mean, I, I, I you know, got in a fight with my dad. I said I don't want to work with him. So I, I, I left home. And I remember the only thing I knew at that time, I was 22, was being a paramedic. So there's this place in Veracruz, Mexico, that's uh, Swiftwater Park. So, I mean, not, not park. I mean, there are, you know, rapids uh, toward, toward that part of, of Veracruz. So uh, I remember I called this guy. I, I knew him and said, you know what? I, I, I'm out of job. What can I do? He said, well, you know, come down here and, and you know, be a paramedic at our camp. So for that summer of, of uh, it was 1998, I, I went down there by bus from Monterrey to Veracruz, like a 12-hour bus, uh, bus ride, and, and started working as a paramedic. I worked a paramedic there at camp. No, I had no salary, but I mean, I I, I usually lived from the tips that you know the other uh, guides had from the from the from the guests, and that was wholesome. It was really cool. I mean, uh, I remember there was this a uh, a uh, thing called the Marlboro Adventure Team, where they had uh, like a, a two week long promotion to Malboro. The the cigarette company had a promotion for for guys, you know, and they would they will select them and they will be rafting or and jeeps and, and, and you know, activities. So I was a paramedic there and my first time, I, I had to get some ambulances and, and, and hospitals you know, because they needed that medical service. So after that, after the job ended, you know, I went back to Monterrey, I started working at a, a retail supermarket in International De Vezas. So I was doing imports and exports, continuing my studies. And at that time I said, you know what? I wanna do something about it. So I remember I went to my grandfather on my mother's side and I told him, hey, you know what? I got this idea, Grandpa, you know, I want to do this and that, but I need some money. So he lent me some money, and I bought my first two ambulances in uh, San Antonio, Texas. What? Okay. So, yeah, yeah. So I drove the ambulances with a friend of mine, with Manolo. I remember we drove him all the way to Monterey. it was, I mean, you know, a six, eight-hour drive, and that's how I started my business in, in 1999. Uh, I just, you know, the only thing I knew, and, and it's a cool, you know, it, I, 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 ha- I have very good uh, memories of it because I remember... I used to, you know, run the ambulance, invoice, you know, charge and, and sale at the same time. And I had to watch the trucks. And, and I remember the first time we just had uh, service between seven o'clock in the morning and seven, o- at 7 o'clock at night. But we also did 24 hour service. So what I did after seven was that uh, I would get, you know, my phone uh, directed to my cell phone. So if they called the office, my, my, my phone will ring. And I remember one time at four o'clock in the morning, they just called me. And they needed a transfer of a baby. Uh, from one clinic to another. So I, I you know, I, I was, I was uh, at my house. So I had to, you know, I got the call off at four o'clock in the morning. So I went from my house to the office, turned on the ambulance, let it warm, and it was an incubator. So I had to, you know, take out the incubator. Then I had to drive to the, to a nurse's house where I pick her up, and then all the way to the clinic. So I mean, the, the transfer from the clinic was ten minutes, but the whole scenario was about two hours. And then after, after we, we transferred the baby to the hospital, then go leave the nurse back at his home. Leave the ambulance and go back to sleep and get up again at seven o'clock in the morning. So I mean I mean we were I was young and I was a little bit more full of energy, but but yeah, I mean very, very nice memories, I mean, from, from mm-hmm. those uh, from those beginnings. And, and and then, you know, that's what kept me being more in the industry. So so after after I, I finished school, I finished my, 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 my graduation at Monterey Tech. I decided to, you know, I wanted to live, be, live of this. I mean, an, an ambulance service was okay, but I wanted to be more. I always had that, that idea of, of, you know, wanting to have more and, 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 and or having a better impact or, or better, you know, a, a more impact of what I've been doing uh, to the society. So we decided to enter the medical industry as a whole. So I started, uh, then I, first it was called Lifeline Ambulance uh, from 1999 to 2002. And then I decided to call it ProMedic. So we changed from being an ambulance company to being a, a, a medical industry. So we started doing more of, a, we opened a clinic, and then we started doing, what we do right now, we do occupational health services. So, so in Mexico, our, our main business, ProMedic, what we, we do is we provide occupational health services for a company. So, so in Mexico, by law, if you have more than 100 employees, you need to have a medical uh, personnel at your campus or, or, or present at the company. So we have uh, either from just one nurse to uh, we have a big company so, that uh,
1: yeah. Eduardo. I gotta cut you off here because like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're skipping over some a lot, of, <laughs> yeah, a lot of cool things that you just dropped. So you just started a ambulance business while you were in high school. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, I mean I'm almost at the be- at the beginning of when I was finishing high school.
1: Finishing high school.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. So <laughs> we gotta talk about. <laughs> what it means to start an ambulance business, because, <laughs> um, you know, you're obviously, you know, that that's a very, very niche industry to just jump into. So what goes into that? Like, uh, you know, you mentioned your grandfather was able to help you out. Like, how much does an ambulance cost? Like, where do you buy such a, an ambulance? Like, uh, well,
0: well, you know, it's funny because uh, so in the States, uh, by law, you can only have an ambulance for four years, four to five years. So you need to renew your, 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 your ambulances every, every, every year. So so what I started, I started with, with used ambulance. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was a whole adventure. Now that you're asking, I mean, because so we're talking about different states. So uh, different uh, we have to do the whole, uh, you know, importation and exportation. We have to export it from the states, make an import from. And I'm talking about I did I, the first time I just drove to the border and I was like, yeah, I want to cross. Well, I mean, where's your paperwork? I mean, I was like, why do I need a paperwork to this? I just want to drive my ambulance. I just want to serve it. And they, I mean, it was a whole experience. I mean, now so that you, you need
1: paperwork to bring it into Mexico.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you need to you know, to go to uh to the regular you know regulatory uh, instances and do you know customs and stuff like that. But I mean, it's pretty straightforward in that time. But I mean, I, I didn't also have to you know li- leave the ambulance at the border uh, through Laredo, Texas, and then you know go back to Monterrey and do all the paperwork with the <laughs> invoicing. And I, I I don't know if I remember. I think the first ambulance. I mean, I'm talking about 1999 w- would have cost me around eleven thousand dollars or $14,000, wow. something like that. Wow. I mean, it was not, nothing at all, you know, nothing at all to, to what we find right now. And and yeah, I mean, and they just sell the, the ambulance without nothing. I mean, just, I'm talking about just a vehicle. You need to stock it and you need, you know, get your, your uh, defibrillators and, and monitors and, and your airway kits, you know, and it depends on, on what level of care you want to provide. So, and then you got to, you know, get the driver's license. And, and, and yeah, with the health ministry, you need to, you uh, With the health industry, you know, from Mexico, you need to demonstrate that you have the capabilities of the licensing in order. I mean, not licensing, but just the capabilities of... uh, of, Did
1: you get all this done before getting the first ambulance? No, I already had (laughs) them at
0: the border. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, I already had them. I was like, well, I didn't know all of this, but let mean, well, let's do it, you know? Bro, that is so
1: hilarious because... I've heard of so many hustles like you jump into, you know, you just, you know, I, I myself, you know, I, I randomly got into the scrap metal business at, at a time when it got the scrap metal industry got uh, going good. No business being in there, just got a truck and started going at it. But that's one thing, right? Uh, so I always wonder about people who just jump into things. I had a great boss who talked about business as like jumping out of a plane and you build a parachute on the way down. But this is, uh, this is amazing because you just started an ambulance company while finishing high school. And you just did it on the fly right um okay so so you got the ambulance you crossed out you brought it into mexico you said you realize you need all this paperwork and all the stuff done you get get through that I'm, I'm assuming this takes a few months to get done
0: uh well i mean yeah it took it took about, about a month or so yeah. uh but at the same time uh you know it's, it's it's great to change my memory lane there's a lot of things you know i just had blocked out of my mind and now i'm thinking about it it's like well, because then I had the ambulance, and then, and then I remember—I remember someone in, in my family. Where are you going to park them? I mean, you're not going to park them out of the house. Yeah. You need an office. Oh, yeah, let me look for an office. So uh, there I am, you know, Monterrey, looking for somewhere to park these big trucks. <laughs> because I mean, and, and we're talking about—you know—it's not. You, you wouldn't find that regular ambulance type in in Mexico. I mean, because there were, you know. The bills that you will find, I mean, not, not in, in Mexico right now, we, we already built ambulance like, you know, like the American, you know, uh, in, in compliance, stuff like that. But by that time, there were no ambulance. I mean, you would just get a truck and, you know, get a gurney and stuff like that. And so these were like the first, you know, well, not the first, but they were like imported ambulance, you know, big trucks with double, you know, double boxes. And so, I mean, a lot of ho- even hospitals were not even ready to, to have ambulances like this, you know, because the hospitals weren't made with, with double heights. So, so sometimes we couldn't even park the ambulance inside. We would have to park on the side or the curb and take the patient to the gurney and, and get him to the ER or whatever or whatnot. Wow. But yeah, I mean, it, it took a couple of months. And, and I remember I remember uh, you were saying that you mean you jump in and, and then I remember when everything was kind of ready and everything I was like, well, and I'll tell you another funny story after this, but uh, I was like, well, okay, how am I going to get clients? So I was already, you know, it was like my first semester in college and I was just like, you know what? I just got an email, and so I jumped in. I mean, I'm talking those very slow emails, not, not, not anything like we have right now. So, so I wrote my dean uh, just one night. So I just wrote him, you know what, he was the, the dean of the whole system, not only for my campus, but I'm talking the whole tech of Monterrey in a whole country. I was like, you know what, uh, my name is Eduardo, uh, I'm an average student, uh, I just bought know, some ambulances and I want to you know, give service because Monterrey Tech has two hospitals, so they have like a, a medical part and, and you know, the whole in, engineering and stuff like that. So I wrote to him and I just tell him, you know what, I, I, I'm doing this and uh, I want, you know, I want support. And, and, you know, lo and behold, the next day in the morning, he copied me with, with everyone that could give me job. I mean, could give me service, that could give service to. So he put me in contact with sports, uh, the director of sports. So uh, everything like uh, American football, soccer that needed ambulance coverage, I was there. And since ever, I mean, I would, now we've been serving more than 20 years to the same. I mean, it was our first client and, and we still are giving service to them, to the campus, to the hospitals. And I was like, I, I didn't, I didn't mind. I remember, uh, so uh, like a couple of years later on, uh, I don't know if you heard of a cart, it's like a NASCAR formula one. So it was like a, an indie race that, that was very popular. So they were running in different parts of the world. So they are going to Monterrey, so it's a big, you know, the first time after Formula One that we had a very big race, uh, IndyCar race and type of IndyCar. It was called a car series, but I mean, I'm talking big cars and, you know, big scenarios and big, every, we have a big park in Monterey, so they built a track. And I had a contact there and I said, well, I, I, you know, I want to be there. I want to give service. So, so they get me, they gave me the meeting with the, you know, the director of the race and everything. So I was there and he said, well, okay, everything's fine. So here's what we need. Uh, we're going to need 10 ambulances and uh, we're going to need a helicopter. And I'm like, can you provide it? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Wait, no, no worries. No, no worries. I was like, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I stepped out of that, of that office. I was like, man, how am I going to get a helicopter? How am I going to get some <laughs> ambulances? <laughs> but I did. I mean, I, I came here, I, I came to the, to the meeting. Didn't know what to expect. I mean, I know that we're going to give ambulance service and stuff, but I, I didn't know that, you know, the requirements and because. The guy know the guy at the race knew the guys and knew me. He was like, "Well, Kevin, okay, I mean, if he's come recommended, he's gonna make it." And I just had two ambulances. About that time, I was like, "Man, what am i gonna do about it?" Well, but I mean, and and at the end, so we found we, we find you know we we I, I went with some people, some investors. You know, I told them I have here the letter, of, you know, the contract, and so we bought a couple of ambulances and more ambulances in in Texas, and we got them over oh, wow. and and we uh, we we find. Uh, I found through some government uh, agency that there were some guys renting a helicopter that was able to ambulance so we you know updated and everything and, and by the first time it was in 2004 uh, the first uh, kart race in Mexico and we yeah. were the whole I was like dreaming my you know living my dream man, you know be, because i I just love all that system you know with you know <laughs> you know with the headsets and, and and everyone at the race and so you got all access pass and you're in the you know pit lane and stuff like that just Living the dream. It was it was so so cool, and Man. we did that like for four years.
1: <laughs> Bro, that's one of the wildest stories I've heard. Alec. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was
0: it was it was. I mean, I, now I think you know it's been it's been a whole journey. You know what what you have done, and and thankfully, but it's not just. But at the end, it's not just you know being out there and pushing and you know taking risks. You know, but but I think part of an entrepreneur is you know. There's a saying a lot that they say, you know, fake it till you make it," uh, but yeah. I mean. But you got to be, I mean, it's 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 a balance, you know, you have to, you know, be confident and, and be trustworthy of, of what you're doing, because at the end, you can start like that, but but then people are going to expect you to get, you know, uh, to deliver, and especially in healthcare. I mean, because people, uh, people in healthcare, you know, the, uh, life depends on you. I mean, yeah. it's not just, you know, going out there, but, but if you know what you're doing and, and you have the ability, but... And at the end, it comes true. I mean, it's 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 a it's a combination of I wouldn't say just luck, but because you need effort and you need you need a team, you need people to trust you. And and but I mean, you gotta be out there, and, and you gotta you know get things done.
1: That's crazy. Did you have to hire like uh, licensed uh, like nurses or paramedics, like um like to, uh, uh, rather than just drivers? Like, did you have to have them on staff? Oh like? yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, and I remember. I still have one of the original guys. I mean, he's been like for 20 years with us. And, mm. and I mean, we started from just being a six man crew right now. We're around 130 uh, people in, in Mexico to the whole operation after 15 years. So so, yeah, I mean, but no, no. And right now, I mean, where are we right now? I, I, you know, we have a complete staff. And, and, and again, you know, it takes time and it takes team. You, you cannot do it you know, all by yourself. And, and I remember the first time when when you're an entrepreneur and I think it happens, you know, when I was a little bit more young, you want to do everything you don't want to you want to be a one-man job and because it's kind of hard to trust people so you i don't know if it, it was the case with you but i mean at the beginning i, I wanted to do everything because i want every, everything to be perfect and i want everything to be great and but at the end and and, and you probably have to have a team but if you start doing tasks that they're supposed to do f- f- you doing them you know people are just gonna be not lazy but they're gonna say well the boss is gonna do it mm-hmm. and at the end it comes a time where you're too there's too much things and you, you get overwhelmed. So, so one important lessons I had was that you know being trustworthy and and, and not and, and not just being trustworthy I mean getting the right people and getting more intelligent people in front of you to help you overcome and, and and do what they do best you know and especially medicine I was a paramedic and that's it but sometimes I needed an ICU nurse or a, a, a advanced paramedic or something else to do certain things and 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 uh, and, and actually we, we did that I remember in our story you know big you know it's. I mean we I remember what time they called me. So a, a, a neighboring a neighboring state had a very bad accident. So uh, a gas truck got stuck in the railroads. So a train just got and you crushed it. And there were there was like about fifteen or twenty people that got burned. So we had to do a, 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 a aerial evacuation. So we rented a couple of planes and we we you know there were cargo planes and we just you know I got a bunch of doctors, uh, ICU doctors, and and we did a whole big operation. Uh, so moving patients from that state to Monterrey. And I remember we started around 6 o'clock at night, and we ended up about 4, four in the morning. We did like four or five uh, uh, you know, transfers from, from one state to another. And, yeah, it was, all, it was a whole adventure.
1: Wow, amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, been, it's, it's been a, a while. Well, I mean, it's What been happened fun. to the
1: business? Did you sell it? Um, is it still operating? No, no. Well, well,
0: well, well, what happened was that as I continued to grow, uh, I, I've been a lot – you know, in love with entrepreneurship and and, and, and one of the things that happens was Promethe was getting big and, big and big and big and big and and it came a moment when when I said, you know what, I became overwhelmed because of of all of it. Because I think there's a special kind of of of, of position for I mean if you're an entrepreneur, you're a developer, you're a, a CEO, and I said, Well you know what, at this level of company, I wasn't feeling, you know, not not comfortable, I was feeling overwhelmed because I mean, I'm talking, we already have like 400 people. We started, you know, giving service in other parts of Mexico and and talking about culture, talking about, you know, uh, uh, organization development, business development, planning, budgeting. I mean, we're talking about big things and and I'm more towards, I always wanted to be more in the street. I wanted to be more hustling. I want to be no gigs. And and so I had to make the decision of of stepping down as CEO of that company. Mm -hmm. And for me, I remember talking to my, you know, my other, uh, (laughs) because one of my, 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 uh, I mean, uh, owners, co-owners with me is my mom. Mm. So I remember, you know, having a, a board meeting. I was like, well, you know, but I said, mom, you know, we're not doing the results that we want to. It's just, oh, but you look beautiful. Don't worry. I was <laughs> like, no, I don't want that. I, would, I want to be pressured. I want to be, you know, accountable for and <laughs> <laughs> But, but so, so what I did, I, I, I decided to step down as a CEO of Prometic. And I did, uh, my, my holding is called the Grupo Seara, uh, and what we started doing was getting ancillary businesses from what we saw of the necessity of our clients. So the first business I also started is a medical waste company. So I started, you know, I bought these two small trucks that also are very law compliant because we work, I mean, we, we, we take, uh, you know, all the, the medical waste, you know, the needles, the, the you know, bloody gauze and stuff like that because our companies needed to have a law compliance company that could come and pick up that, that medical waste and have a proper disposal. Mm-hmm. So I started a company, and then I started to get into med tech. Uh, so right now uh, Grupo Seara has uh, six companies uh, in, in the umbrella, uh, all serving uh, in Mexico. Until I started uh, CardioTrack. So now, now that, that I uh, and first I started CardioTrack, just I mean n- not not as a big not, not as a big opportunity, but but I saw again with the clients. So in 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 some developing countries uh, like in Mexico. Uh, if you're gonna do a high-risk job, uh, let's say work scaffolding, uh, confined spaces. Uh, if you're gonna operate heavy machinery, you need to uh, get your blood pressure taken. So, so imagine we have a client that uh, it's a built steel company that has around 5,000 employees in their in their site. So we would do any anything from 200 to 300 blood pressure measurements per per shift. So at seven o'clock in the morning, three o'clock, or 11 o'clock we would have uh, a lot of people just coming to the medical department and getting the blood pressure taken just manually. Just imagine a nurse or a paramedic, you know, with the normal, you know, a BP measurement, not even electric, and just, you know, they will check the blood pressure, write it on a piece of paper, and that's it.
1: Mm-hmm. So if
0: you're okay, you can go to work if not. So, so I found there an opportunity to say, you know what, we can automate this process. So, so what I did is uh, I found a medical device, uh, an approved medical device that would, would be automatic, you know, that those kiosks, the things, you know, and, and would give us data. So what we did is we we coded the front end so people would be identified either by their magnetic card or their uh, QR code that we g- gave him to them. and and then they would take the blood pressure and blood pressure would be sent up to the to the cloud, and we would see if uh, if they were okay to work or not. So that's how we started and and that was done uh, in the late 2018, and we started to get a, a very good traction of it you know because we were uh, you know taking. And not not that much to replace the medical personnel, but to leave, uh, you know get them more time to do more essential things. So so that's how we started. And and, and whole twenty nineteen, we were very you know successful. We've been very successful with that with that company because we were automating. And then what we started to see was that we started to get a lot of data. And so we started to get the the value of the data of the data information. And and just by normal observance, we saw that you know a lot of people re- were being re- rejected. So, I mean, uh, you know, some people were being rejected three times a week and four times a week. So they, they wouldn't, they, not that they were sent back to home, but they couldn't do that task that they were, you know, that they had to. So we started to get into looking to that. And what happened was that they were having very high uh, blood pressure rates. So we said, well, you know, something's bad. And, and, we, and then we come back and ask them, did you know that you were hypertensive? They were like, no, I didn't know that. So, so we started to look a little bit into the clinical side. And, and I don't know if you know that, but hypertension is called the silent killer. Because you don't know that you're hypertensive until you really have that bad measurement. So you can be a little bit over the, the, the edges of, of, of the readings, but, but you don't know them because the only way to really diagnose hypertension is through measurements. And I mean, us that we're, you know, in our early, you know, late 30s, 40s, we don't take that much of, 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 of the lectures of, of hypertension as we should, of, of measurements. So, So we started to look into how can we you know, empower and being from a country that has, you know, lacks a lot of, of, of health, you know, public health. I mean, we are the lucky ones that can have, you know, medical insurance, stuff like that. But, but I'm talking to the general population, it takes a toll. I mean, imagine, imagine someone having a stroke or a heart attack, the impact it has not only on the person, but on the whole family itself. So we thought about doing something that could really, you know, impact and, and let them know. So if we're doing law compliance because of the company and we're helping the company, how can we, give that back to the, you know, empower the patient and let him know and let him, you know, take take care of his, of his, uh, of, of his uh, you know, readings. And, and that's how I did another, uh, you know, just impulsive jump. I remember I, I told my wife, you know what, you know, and, and we thought, I also wanted to do this as a global company. I wanted to cut the track to be a global company. I always wanted to be, you know, more than just out of, out of Mexico. So... So ProMedic was very hard, you know, because it's very uh, human resources, uh, heavy, and it, it was not that easy to, you know, to just open, open another other border. So, so we, we saw the, in, in Toronto the opportunity, you know, being such a uh, pioneer in technology and, and with all the ecosystem, you know, with Mars in the accelerators, you know, Accelerator Center, uh, Haltech, you know, there's a lot of things going on. So we decided to look into it and see the opportunity. So uh, you know, just and and it was just in pre-pandemic. I mean, just I mean, we started. I remember I came to Toronto in uh, in January 2020. Uh, it was minus 25. I remember very that very good. So I came to a uh, Toronto Tech 2O. I don't know if you heard of that association. Uh, it's, no, Tech 2O. It's called Tech 2O. Mm. Yeah, Tech 2O. So so they they do gatherings and stuff. like that. It's very cool. So I I came to a gathering. I and I remember just being there at the Telus Building. It was it was like the last gatherings you know big gatherings that they had and uh i remember that i was just you know chatting a lot and talking a lot with you know a lot of people and, and oh, suddenly tech there was like
1: a, when was this uh, uh
0: january 2020
1: oh really i, I usually know you go, were there no i i usually go to a lot of a lot of events uh, especially in toronto tech scene but uh I've, tech 20 sounds familiar but i haven't been there this is by the telus buildings in scarborough no with downtown uh toronto. downtown downtown toronto so, I mean, okay they,
0: yeah. So they did. The, I don't know if it's the you know they usually do it there, but I mean it's a it's a cool tech two. it's a bit, it's a nice you know organization. There are two thousand people on on Slack channel, and they do oh, a lot talking, of webinar. Oh, you
1: mean you mean tech Toronto. Uh, um,
0: yeah, tech Toronto? Yeah, Tech Toronto.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Sorry, I said uh, I thought I you said uh, Tech Two Toronto. And, oh no, uh, no, no it's Tech a, Yeah, Tech yeah, Two. Yeah, yeah, Tech G- Toronto is amazing. Oh, of course. Oh I've yeah, been yeah, there yeah. Multiple yeah, yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, so, so I was there and, 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 uh, and I remember there was like an open mic session and I just, mm-hmm. you know, I just saw the mic coming through me and say, well, here we go. So I got it and I just stood up and you know, I said my name and, and what we're doing and, and I had a very good re- reaction. So I said, you know what, this is the place to be. And, and then there's this organization called uh, Latam Startups. LATAM, uh, yeah, yeah so, so with Miriam, Miriam Lazarte, I, I met a Cote with her and I told her, you know, this is what we're doing, we're a tech company. She said, well, you should apply for a, a boot camp. So we, we applied for it and I w- we were going to actually start on on march uh on the bootcamp, but but you know couldn't do it because of the dates and then you know the whole pandemic started and and so we ended up uh applying for the boot camp in august so mm-hmm. we we got in august uh, virtually i remember i wanted i wanted to come to toronto i wanted to you know take the boot camp in presence but you know border closed and everything so i remember i still you know i i am not a queer I, I i remember i i called the embassy in mexico and told you know what I, I got to be there. You know, I got this uh, invitation letter and, and we really tried it, we, but at the end said, you know what? You can take everything virtually. So if, if it's not essential, you got to stay, you got to stay home. So we started uh, in, in August, the whole bootcamp and in, um, in September, we finished the bootcamp and started the soft, the soft landing. But this is a funny thing. Uh, I've, I've been traveling to Canada with my family for the last five or four years, mm-hmm. but more towards B.C. We usually go skiing to Whistler and stuff like that. And, and one time in 2019, when I was there, uh, we were also exploring uh, the cannabis side, uh, the medicine, uh, medical cannabis business. So since it's you know, a big thing and, and, and very good you know, to help especially, we thought of, of, of taking that business to Mexico. But uh, Mexico regulation was very far off. I mean, we just we just been legalized. I mean, we we were legalized now in I think in the 13th of March, like on the on the the lower house of representatives, it still has to go to the higher house and then the president. And right now, Mexico politically wise is a mess. But but I mean, so on that time, I wanted to do that. So I incorporated a company in B.C. in 2019. And 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 since everything, you know, the scenario, I didn't use it and just leave it there and stuff. But now I use that company. So so when I wanted to start my business here, I used a company to get a, a, a work permit. And uh-huh. I just, you know, I applied online and I remember I was, you know, at home and and uh, our permit came like the final of September. And I told my wife, it's here. So we applied for, you know, the whole family. And I remember the 14th of, the, no, the, the 3rd of November, we got the whole authorization. And by the 14th of November, we were all here. So, I mean, no question that we just pushed everything and, and, and very happy, I mean, and right now, uh, we have started, uh, uh, you know, seeing the value proposition and, and where we're we going, and just met some. I have, you know, had the opportunity of met a lot of very interesting people. I mean, I, I think uh, Canada is a, is a great place, and I think all of us that we're here on a migrant side or, or working side, you know, there's a lot of you see that 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 whole ecosystem of of of, of how to you know relationships and, and context and how can we help one another, and and it's been a very good experience. I mean, for us, it's been uh, it's it's been it's been just so great.
1: Mm. Man, that's that's quite the journey. <laughs> I got <laughs> I I to admit, um, it's really cool that now you're in Toronto. You know, you built this uh, medical empire in Toronto, and you, and you came to Toronto. Now, this is what this is a, this is a piece that uh, you know astounds me. You have this infrastructure in Mexico. Did you come here for the talent or the infrastructure? um you know what's about toronto that brought here to uh, brought your tech company here
0: definitely the talent talent definitely the talent right now we are i mean we're just into uh two months of 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 our our complete journey because i mean i was here in november but you know obligatory quarantine and then after the quarantine there was a complete lockdown and and you know a whole adventure uh, there's a a lot of adventure you know trying to find a house and i remember looking for a house and oh yeah so we go look for a house and but yeah i mean who who are you i'm eduardo I mean, you have no credit card here. You have nothing <laughs> here. You're no one. I was like, yeah, but in Mexico, I I don't care. You're, you're no one. Not, no not one, my man. house.
1: Yeah. I know it's,
0: a, it's a, I mean, but it, it's it's a very you know, enriching because we never had I had the the, the opportunity of you know going through that to that process. And and right now I I, I went today to get my uh, driver's license, and and you know the whole thing. I was like, how are you gonna give me a G1? I've been driving 20 years. I mean, and I cannot drive from. So I mean with that whole thing and, and and it's very good. But but yeah, basically because of, of you know the talent here. I see a lot of talent and in you know in the data space, a lot of data opportunity, data scientists and and we just started with with HAL-check and, and, and Checkplace our our AI strategy. So we finished our AI strategy for a company because right now in Cardiotrack, so just to, to let you know of the big data we have, we're taking around three thousand blood pressure minutes per day. So mm-hmm. we have more than three hundred thousand uh uh, measurements and more than 20,000 patients engaged in continuous monitoring. We just also added uh, weight and scale. Uh, we added also temperature. So So now the thing that we want to do is what do we do with that with that data? So our, our idea to came to Toronto is that, I mean, and not not California, I mean, but California is so big and everything, but I, I, what I loved about Toronto is that you know you get the both of the worlds. You got talent, you got a lot of big universities, a lot of big accelerator centers a very nice country where, 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 you know, two things can combine. So, so I, I, that's what I, I'm looking for, you know, and, and, and most, you know, just going to point back to talent, you know, having mm. the opportunity of, of, of talent, there are a lot of investments, you know, a lot of, uh, uh of, 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 the investors and, and founders and, and fundings, it's very different than the States. You know, here, there's a lot of things that you can, you know, yep. talk a little bit more. We had a conversation, uh, uh, this morning with, uh, 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 I wouldn't say in, in investing like that, but. But more of a mentor, we we have very big conversation of of opportunities and and different venues, and everyone's just so open to hear you and yeah. give you a two, two pieces of advice. That's so, so so incredible.
1: Yeah, man. Welcome, well, welcome to Toronto. I'm glad to have you. I'm um, <laughs> very happy. You know, I love I love a good entrepreneurial stories, um, and that's definitely you're definitely one of the top ones I've heard because that's that's a that's a real hustle and grind. I love I love people who just jump and into things and just do it. You know, and just figure things out on the way. Um, as I mentioned before, like I had a few, bo- like you know, I had the pleasure of working in in, in Toronto with a few people um, who have built companies like this. You know, uh, one of the one of the things I love about uh, my, oh, uh, we got a little bad connection there. Um, yeah, one of the things I appreciate about uh, my work history, right, is that I've been able to work with small companies that are built, uh, small to medium sized businesses that were built by entrepreneurs who take who took great leaps and get just being around them when you're a young age and seeing how they are. Like it really gives you the kind of like uh, like kind of like almost a first-hand glimpse into that kind of mindset, right? But it's a whole other thing when you're you're the, you're in the hot seat, right? When it's all up to you, you know, you make this big swing, you make this big risk, you jump off the big uh, the cliff, and you're trying to build this thing on the way down, and you're getting up and running. So, kudos to you. That's always a great accomplishment. But um, you know, now that you're in tech, you know, what are the challenges you're seeing that are different than the other companies? Um, yeah,
0: and, and you see, you know, one of the things, you know, doing that lead, because I had the opportunity of, of you know, just, I had, you know, I built this organization, and, and a lot of very smart people are, are, are you, know, you know, being the CEOs of, of the different companies that are already built, and, and I had the opportunity just, you know, to step down, and so I did a little bit of a invest in Angel, I, I invested in, in some companies, in, in, uh, one, actually one of them, you know, got into YC. Uh, y Combinator and you know did very it, it was in the 2020 I mean they did very good they're still working uh, it's a, a digital pharmacy uh, mm-hmm. Vitao it, there in Mexico like a pill pack factory wow. and uh, so I mean they did very good and but I, I had the opportunity to just you know step down but I said no I, I'm not so I decided you no know, I, I talked with you know with, with my board and, and with some of the other directors and I told them, you know what I want to step I want, I want to get be in the game again you're like well I mean I don't care. So I decided to be CEO of a company, and, and, and then again, you said, you know, I'm I'm the only one here in Toronto of the whole team, and I'm doing everything, I'm, you know, I, I'm, you know, trying out the medical devices, and actually, we started a, a, a demo with a company for the thermometer. So I went and I, I assembled the whole thing, so I got some things sent from Mexico, and I'm there, you know, doing with the Raspberry Pi, I'm not a technician guy, but, you know, looking at YouTube videos and, you know, assembling the, the, the Raspberry Pi and, you know, and, and the device, And but it's a whole experience. So. I would say uh, being in tech, really, and it, it all depends on, on, on how much you really want things. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm in my 40, 44, so I mean, I would be other generation, but I've never left myself down of, of being up to date in things. And I love to, you know, talk to guys like yourself or, or other guys whenever I have the opportunity. My, my, our CTO is, is 30, and actually he was a doctor. Mm. a medicine doctor, but he, he left medicine to be a coder. So he self taught himself to be a coder. So, so I think I get into that type of, of, of ecosystem for the same. And, and I, and I would say it's, it's very fascinating. It's very fast. You really got to be up to date about everything because tech tech is running so fast. So, I mean, before, before I came here, AI was like, you know, these big machines and these big, you know, blurry thing, and you didn't know where to even start. And now as you as you know start to progress and, and be more into the market, you, you really understand the potential of things and, and how 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 can you know tech impact. And for me, uh beyond the healthcare space and, and I think you know pandemic showed us, you know, I, I love I love this, you know, kind of graph that, you know, population is like this. You know, population is always like this. But medical service is like this. So there was gonna come a, a gap someday in time where there are not gonna be enough doctors to treat all those people. And just happened with COVID. You know all the hospital systems in the world got overwhelmed i mean there were too much sick people and 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 not even and right now i i, I shared linked in linkedin a, a a paper that uh, she's called rachel from she's from a, a place in london where we're talking about uh the backlog of chronic diseases i mean all the people that were sick of hypertension diabetes you know cancer they weren't even accepted to hospital no one wanted to go to hospital so i mean we are going to be, uh, you know, in front of some days are going to be hard because we need to really expand our opportunity. So that's why I love tech and that's why I love medicine, because I think there's a combination to really be able to 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 serve even faster and better. We're always going to need the doctors, You know, doctors always going to need to. Be. I don't think AI will replace doctors. I don't think AI will replace nurses. I think AI or machine learning or, or tech in a whole is going to help doctors to make better decisions. Uh, faster because right now all the decisions have to come to the doctor himself they, ha- they need to look at all the stats and say well you know look at all the, the little paperwork and say well you know what Eduardo really needs surgery now or he doesn't but that takes a lot of time you know uh, and how I was you know, talking again in the morning with a, a family doctor sees around 30 to 40 patients a day and they take around 20 minutes hearing you know the story and then have to you know take paperwork and and they, that takes a lot of time so I think there are several key places where tech really
1: really can can impact yeah um, Eduardo I'm not sure if you're getting camera issues but um, I think we got a little bit of a low connection issue not sure what's going on here um, are you still with me
0: yeah yeah I'm here I, I see you good
1: okay I, I can hear you clearly uh, the tool we're using um, you know Riverside uh, it allows us to it'll still keep recording on your end and it will send me the okay. clip, right okay. so uh, we'll just keep continuing. Uh, it should fix itself soon. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, this is, this is a fascinating story. Could be, if you can continue.
0: Yeah. So 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 for me, the importance of tech, uh, as you were asking. So tech is really a very important key. So so I mean, Toronto has that all. I mean, it has a lot of people, very intelligent people, and 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 very good universities that are really pushing, uh, you know, students to go out there and and find that specific field. So, and, and, and it's, it's incredible. I mean, right now, what we would, would be aiming for is to get more of those data scientists and, and, and clinical advisors. We were, we're trying to work with some of the universities to find our, our, our value proposition and, and our proof of concept about, uh, you know, detecting hypertension through the massive scanning. So, so a lot of big opportunities.
1: Interesting, that's that's uh, that's really cool. So, uh, I'm actually more concerned about you know launching a tech company, right? Like, are you? Uh, what about yourself? Like, did you ever feel out of place launching a tech company? Like, you don't know code, or you don't know what's actually going on, or was there a learning curve for you to understand things?
0: Oh yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not even you know savvy on coding. I mean, I, I know the basics, yeah. and I try to to get up to date to everything. But I wouldn't say that there's a limit, or or I mean you set the limits. I mean, for me, like talking about my experience, I didn't have to be a coder or a diet scientist or an engineer to get to know. I mean, I, I like to, to read, not that much read, but I like to get up to date and be surrounded by the people. So, so I would say, you know what, I have the idea, I have this great idea, but let me surround the surround me by people that are really experts in that. And I mean, yeah, I mean, there was going to be, you can always ask yourself, is this the right thing? Do I need to be in this specific field? But I think, I've proven myself, not only myself, but the rest of, you know, everyone out there that you don't have to be a coder in order to code. You don't have to be a doctor to have a a clinic. You don't have to be, I mean, I think there are more key factors involved. I mean, but you got to respect, I mean, you're not going to fly a plane if you're not a pilot, Mm -hmm. but you can run something like that. It's like, it's the same. I mean, if there's like the will to, to, to really want to do things, you can do it. I mean, you, you should have that, uh, you know, be humble enough to, to really recognize what are your limits. And, and be the kind of leader that would get people that really know to compliment you. I always, I always find uh, leadership very much like, uh, uh, you, know, um, you know, in a big orchestra, you have the conductor. So, I mean, you can have the best violin uh, artist right by you, but if the, you know, the, the conductor doesn't start, he's not even gonna start his show. So, so I think that's one of the, the, the key points of leadership. I mean, being a good conductor and having the best crew available, or the best people and and try to work it together, and, and that things for me that's how things are get done
1: yeah, so uh, I, I want to talk about like um you know the life of an, lifestyle of an entrepreneur right when you're like grinding and building up and you're trying to do all these different things right? What does that look like to you when you're trying to balance life and and work right how do you how do you keep yourself uh you know progressing in both uh, both atmospheres
0: Well, it's hard, I mean, and sometimes you gotta i think. And, and for me especially like I was telling you I have three kids I mean they're 11 nine and six so so they're pretty much demanding right now they're demanding and and, and if you don't look into that I think entrepreneurship like when you're an entrepreneur you work all day you, you don't care if it's Monday Saturday Sunday you're always browsing you're always answering emails you always want to be out there but but I think it comes and now that I started again uh, this whole venture of being uh, you know in front of CEO because I was just behind the lines and just looking at everything and looking at opportunities. But now that I'm CEO, I got to think, I mean, from, from I remember, I'm here now in Toronto. I got to pay my taxes. And, I, and everything was done by the accounting service in, in Mexico. I mean, but here, since I'm alone, I, I got to do my accounting and I do, you know, got to pay my taxes and I do my, my my tax reports and everything. So, but it's fun. But, but you really have to manage that, and, and, and there's time for everything. I think uh, as, as you start to find a team and you start to find the right time, it's, it's, it's like they say, it doesn't matter if you work from 7 to 7. I mean, you can work from 7 to 3, but if you're efficient in what you do, if you really do the things that you're supposed to do, you know, things get, get by. I mean Because you can lose track uh, a lot of time. And, and you know what I've learned a lot in, in this you know, new, new, new venture, I would say, you know, for me? A new beginning because for me it's like a new beginning. It's it's to really take into consideration what really matters, you know, because sometimes when when you're an entrepreneur you wanna do everything and you wanna try everything and you wanna you know mess up everything and that's okay, you know, and, and that's something that I think has to be in, in every part of your life and in every part of your, your career life. But also ask yourself, you know, should I really be just doing all this or should I just focus my energy and in, in, in what really things that matter. And, and, and surround yourself by, by talented people. They don't have to be, you know, your employees. They can be mentors, advisors, friends, but there re- there's a really knowledge out there that, that can help you, you know, cut corners and try to get faster to towards where you're going.
1: Yeah. That's, that's, um, that's always interesting, man. Like, so balancing life and work, right? Like, you know, now that you're more, uh, you know, you have family and you've, you know, you've been around the block a little bit, like, What's your schedule look like? How do you maintain your days? You know, well, you... I'm, I, I'm sorry, yeah. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Well, I'm kind of the, 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 the crazy kind uh, <laughs> because, you know, I sleep, I, I sleep uh, you know, thankfully I'm healthy. Uh, I, I do my exercise. I try to do my exercise. So I get up at around 5 in the morning. I try to do some, some bicycle spinning, some, some push-ups and stuff like that. And then I, I, you know, try to get up with some emails and I try to get some meetings with the team and and just get some work done i would say by now i mean I, i'm trying to being here with my family alone i mean because my family also you know the since we had a, a big cluster of things in Monterrey and everyone was so busy i try to spend more time uh, uh with them and and so i try to get my mornings very busy uh all the way let's say from from seven o'clock all the way up to three or four and then i would come back and try to spend the afternoon here at the, at the kids but but then again uh you know, it's it kind of the conflict because I'm, I'm, I'm starting to look at uh, looking at a global company. So mm-hmm. not just operation in Mexico. Probably we're going to be looking at operations in Colombia, in Peru, where where there, you know, hypertension and cardiovascular diseases everywhere in the world. Uh, we're just having a call in the morning about, you know, they, they, they told me, well, just look into Africa, Rwanda, Ghana. They're countries that are, are coming out of, of very harsh times and they're building and looking to rebuild. I was like. now I got to go to Africa. I mean, but, but thankfully again, I have a very nice, you know, family. My wife supports me a lot and, and my whole team, you know, I I would say again, it all depends on on the trust that you, you know, deposit to the teams. And, and, and once you do that, once you trust, and once you, you, you give them power, a lot of, a lot of things could go on your way easily.
1: Yeah. And
0: Hmm. it's hard. Let me me tell you, you know, it's hard. Uh, North American market is hard. I mean, uh, it's very mature market. Uh, we have learned a lot about privacy issues, you know, uh, uh, how everything is very clear about your things and your privacy uh, before anything else. So, so that's been one of the, you know, the, the more interesting challenges and, and, and that sets a very high bar for us in order to, to, to come up to that. Because, I mean, we are law compliance in, in where we operate and everything, but it's very different, uh, you know, regulations here in North America, especially in Canada versus Mexico or developing countries. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a entering a mature market has this, you know, it's, it's interesting points.
1: Amazing. Yeah. You know, you know, like, um, I'm saying amazing because like, I think you've outlined some really interesting things because there's very few people that came through the podcast, you know, even though they're in global markets, talk about the the particularities of the global market because they're generally, you know, from here, uh, they're, you know, they're working out of location that they're generally from, right? You have now come to this come to Canada, come to Toronto, and now you're launching something uh, back in 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 the LATAM regions, right? So I think this is a really interesting way you're seeing the the lens from from a North American's perspective, but having lived, um, you know, uh, you know, back home. So I would love to ask you this more more questions, right? Like, what is um you know, is there restrictions or um is there you know problem sets of running um running issues like running businesses, you know, back home versus here, like in the LATAM areas versus the North American areas, like the, the South versus well,
0: North? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, but I think being in a, you know, being headquartered, that's, you know, that's our goal, being headquartered in Canada and being uh, servicing LATAM really gives you an advantage because, uh, so in LATAM we have a, a very big corporation, you so a very big international corporation. Since LATAM has, a, you know, more as a manufacturing set of skills. So a lot of the big companies go and set, you know, factories there, not only in Mexico, but I mean, in, in all parts of the world. So, so being law compliant with, a, with, a, with international comp, in, a, in an international place sets the bar different and they see the, how you apply different. So that that's helped us being leveraged because yeah. regulations here are going to be much, much higher rather than there. So that helps us, you know, set, set the bar for ourselves to be even better of what that's we're doing in some other places. And yeah. that the only thing that was only happens is if we have competition, the competition only has to get better, so the whole ecosystem gets benefited because of that. I mean, it's it's more expensive, to be honest. I mean, uh, you know, you have, we have to comply with with and, and HIPAA compliant and and all of that things that that really you know you have to spend a lot of money and, and lawyers and you know to to go all that way up. Mm. But that's gonna reassure your clients anywhere in the world that you're doing good, that you're doing better, your bar is different than the other. So and that takes. Takes a good
1: advantage. Man, that's that's really interesting because generally we hear of companies trying to do the opposite, right? They're trying to go to places of less regulation, less restrictions, more favorable tax codes, right? Trying to go to places of least resistance because uh, you know they can operate better. But you are are, are going against the grain uh, upwards, right? Where places are much more things, are much more premium to feed off of that uh, that premium status that it gives, right? The idea that uh, uh, that you know you're at a different threshold. Um, can you talk about uh, the regulatory structure in LATAM, like that's missing compared to North America? Like, what's developing there? What's uh, what's coming up? Um, are they using the similar frameworks that makes it easier for us to do business? Um, with technology, is there restrictions coming?
0: Oh yeah, I mean we are very like I would say uh, uh, saying in diapers. I mean we are very in diapers in in that. I mean but there's you, you start to see trends and, and you start to see trends, especially because of companies like ours that are coming into that ecosystem with different, uh, you know, level of, of compliances. But I mean, it's just very easy. I mean, in Mexico, uh, so here you're, I mean, you're in Mexico, you are the owner of your, of your information, but you need to, so like by a, a regulatory thing, the information can be owned by the, the company. So if you, if you don't want your information to be, you know, uh, operated by the company, you need to ask for it not to be so it's the other way around i mean here they have to ask you permission in order to you you there they have to do it the other way around so but i mean there's a good things and there's a bad things i mean in healthcare, what we want to do is you know take that opportunity and advantage because once we have your medical information we can provide you but the thing is that we want to give you the 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 opportunity so so i mean yeah i mean things are, are are changing i mean but but then again politics doesn't help a lot i mean we we just we're we're changing into a whole different system of politics. I mean, we've been the last sixty years running. I don't know if it's good or bad. but a different system now. We're starting a, a populism system in Mexico that's really been changing a whole thing. So imagine if we were trying to you know get a little bit better. Now we're like, whoa, this is you know, you know they're shutting down things and opening things and you know they uh, you know especially like for medical devices. After it was very hard to get a medical device approved. Now it's very simple. So I mean that's a good thing, but. But we want to be sure that, you know, the medical devices are going to come, are going to comply. I mean, you have to comply with someone else. I mean, I remember last year or the years before, if a medical device was already FDA approved, it was very easy to, to have it uh, you know, approved by the Mexican authorities. Now they're not even ask that. So, I mean, but at the end, as an entrepreneur, you got res- to be resilient to whatever comes. And, and, and I think at the, at the end, for, especially for LATAM, it's all in you and your conviction. I mean, you can either do it the, any way you want to do it. Or you want to do it the right way or the, mm. or the best way. So it's kind of sad, but it is. I mean, there are a lot of companies that just do it because they want to do it. But I think at the end that, you know, I, I can say it up uh, out loud. I've been mean, 20 years in service and I, I'm, I'm, I'm here. There's nothing that because I, I've done things the right way. Probably it's not the fastest way, but, but it's the right way. And that's, you know, something that strives. And that's more towards how you, how you like to do things and how you, you want to go out in time of, of how you've been doing so, so for us being here really helps us to to higher the threshold of what we're looking for I mean even getting you know more demanding it'll cost more for sure but I'm pretty sure that uh, at the long run will will have a better impact on on what we're doing for 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 a whole people
1: Wow Eduardo, it's a, such a refreshing look into things you know um, it, one part of entrepreneurship is you're doing hard things and when you're doing hard things you look for paths of resistance. Uh, you know, I can appreciate someone who takes uh, the time to go uphill, even at a higher uh, at a higher um at a higher pace, um you know just because it's the right way to do it. So um, kudos to you, kudos to your team. You know, wish you guys the best. Um, wh- I would love to you know have you back here in a recurring theme. Yeah. You know, um we love uh, inviting guests that uh, you know come every six months and give us updates on what they're working well, on and well, how things are going. Um, I would love to have you back on again. All right, so uh, we'll reach out. Um, about that, but uh, thank you so much for your time and thank you so much oh, for being I, here.
0: I appreciate it for your, for your space. I really congratulate you. I mean, that's something that, that sometimes entrepreneurs need, you know, having a space to talk about and, and going down memory lane. And and, and for sure, I mean, this, this new type of technology helps. If if just someone at the end has a good tip from what we're saying, discussing, that makes a whole difference.
1: Perfect. Appreciate it, Eduardo. So thanks, everyone. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, I've a pleasure coming back. Absolutely. Stick around for a few minutes. We'll do a quick debrief. But for everyone who tuned in, thank you.
0: Thank you.